Welcome to episode 24 of the Worship Drummer Podcast. This is John Nana, your host. You are a part of a global group of Christian drummers who are continually striving to put the heart before beat. Why? Because we believe that worship is about the work of your hands and heart. Follow along online at worshipdrummer.com or you can always hit me up on Instagram at worshipdrummer. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this episode. Well, what is up, Worship Drummer family? It is a new year, so Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our Worship Drummer family. Hope that you are off to a great start. We have a lot of stuff going on in January already as it is, so we're hitting 2019 running. Uh, but without further ado, in this episode, I'm excited to present to you Jonathan Kamey. He's the drummer at Lakewood Church, and uh, what a super incredible and humble dude he is. Had the chance to uh, be with him about a month and a half ago here in Toronto for a Joel Osteen Night of Hope event. And uh, yes, if you're wondering, I got to set up some cameras around his kit, and we'll hopefully uh, publish that on our YouTube channel soon. But uh, what a great night. Incredible just to see the musicianship of these guys. And uh, he's got a twin brother, Joel, and they're both in the band. So without further ado, I'm super excited to present to you my conversation with Jonathan Kamey. Well, uh, Jonathan, thanks so much for uh, joining us today on the Worship Drummer podcast. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, man. And I didn't say your last name on purpose because for years I always thought it was Kami, but I think if I'm correct, it's Jonathan Kami. That's correct. Yeah. All right. So then uh, I didn't want to be caught off guard with that one. But um, yeah, super <laughs> honored to have you here. Um, and we just want to dive into some questions and get to know you a bit better. Um, maybe for some of our listeners, uh, you're kind of like, I don't really know the name, but I'm sure if you see the face, you'll recognize him because Jonathan drums at Lakewood Church. And uh, so if you watch any of the live streams uh, and the worship segments on YouTube, you would see his face for sure. Um, and I'm a twin. And you're a twin. So it's like double. Yeah. What's your brother's <laughs> name? Joel. Joel. That's right. Two yeah. J's. I love it. <laughs> and um, so, John, let's just jump in and uh, kind of share your upbringing, what your upbringing was like in the home and how that led to your faith in God. And um, kind of like, did you grow up in church? Did you grow up drumming? Like, was this always a passion? Kind of give us a, a glimpse into that early life. Okay. Well, I kind of have a crazy past, so <laughs> I'll try to make it short, but... So I'm first generation American. My family's from uh, Colombia. And uh, so my family moved to the United States for ministry. My uncle started uh, a bunch of churches all over the world. I think over 200 churches in wow. Canada as well. Nice. And uh, But it was United Pentecostal, which is pretty, uh, you know, strict and, you know, and uh, anyway, uh, so we grew up in that environment. So when we moved, my mother, actually, before I was born, my, when my mother moved to the United States, she got pregnant at the age of 15. Wow. And uh, it's a long story, but she had twins, which was me and my brother. So we grew up with my grandmother. And, and a lot of people don't know this, but my mom is actually 78% uh, deaf. So she wow. hasn't 
she can't hear very well. And so uh, when we were kids, we were always at church, always. And uh, we were just drawn to the music since we were kids. We were obsessed. And actually, me and my brother were both drummers. And uh, wow. so we started playing in worship and we were involved in worship a lot. And we kind of had a rough upbringing because my my mother moved out of the house and she just couldn't hear very well so she never had a good job and we a lot of the times we were just at home alone a lot and uh so during those times we just practiced and we grew up really really poor so i we played on pots and pans i didn't have a real drum set till i was uh i think 15 it wasn't a drum set it was actually a actually i was 14 i got a snare and a hi-hat my grandma and bought me a snare and a hi-hat from a pawn shop. And it was one of those snares that didn't even have lugs on it. It had clamps. <laughs> so I didn't even know. So I would I wow. would try to go to a, a guitar center or, or whatever store it was back then to get ahead. And the guy's like, Man, I've never seen anything like this before. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> it was never tight enough. I was into like, you know, Dave Wecko and uh, who's the other guy? Tony Royster Jr. Yeah. They had all those tight piccolo snares. And I was like, I want to make it tight. And I couldn't. But anyway, uh, when we got involved in our church, we made, made a bunch of friends. And there was this one kid at the church who was an incredible drummer. His dad was the music director. So he was really the guy in charge of the drums. And he had been playing there since he was a kid. So the only way I could get in was by playing another instrument. So I started playing piano. Hmm. So I always played drums. That was my first love. But I also played piano. And my brother, that's why he got into bass, because it was the next easiest thing, only four strings, right? <laughs> so so uh, we started playing with the worship team. And then basically, to cut the long story short, my aunt took over us and uh, she started raising us because my mom had two other kids. My stepfather was extremely abusive. It was mm. a really bad environment. She, she took us out of that environment and uh, she raised us. And then she was really, she's the one that saw music and said, oh, you guys have a talent. In middle school, she put us in a music school. So from there, we actually started playing horns. So me and my brother, I played trump trumpet and trombone. My brother played trumpet. So, uh, and then I was doing piano too. So she got us into music. And then after that, we went to a school called HSPVA. It's a high school of performing visual arts. It's actually very uh, world-renowned. Uh, Robert Glasper, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm, no. He's the uh, first guy to ever get jazz, uh, a jazz uh, scholarship or record deal by Blue Note. It's never okay. happened before. One of my classmates became a teacher at Juilliard. Oh, That's wow. how incredible the school was. So we really got into jazz. I mean, we were so into jazz. And I wasn't even playing drums then. I was playing wow. uh, horns and keys. I played drums every day at at uh at home, but I didn't play in the band, you know. Even though I we were always jamming, we would stay after school and just. This is kind of gross, but we would stay after school. And we had a disinfectant spray, yeah. and we would spray every instrument, and I would play everything. I mean, oboes, <laughs> tubas, euphoniums. We were just there because, like I said, my the, at that time, um, my aunt got cancer. And she oh, started wow. dying, dying from cancer. So we would, a lot of times we didn't want to go home. So we would stay after school and we would just, what they call now shed, just yeah. practice and practice. And wow. we had a great time doing that. 
so uh, after that, uh, my aunt passed away and uh, right, it was kind of a crazy story, but we took a vacation to, to Mexico with my uncle. He took us to Mexico and uh, one of the nights I was sleeping and I, I felt the Lord speak to me to go home. And it was kind of strange because I was only 15 and we were really far into Mexico. But I somehow convinced my aunt to let me go. And we got I got on the bus and I went home and I got to see my aunt before she passed away. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit kind of directing me to go home and to see her one more time. But she actually prophesied that we hmm. would play at Lakewood. Wow. She said that we would play at Lakewood and we would play for Joyce Meyer one day. So, and Joyce Meyer has been to Lakewood a lot of times. And my brother actually with Israel did a couple of dates with Joyce Meyer. So both of that's been fulfilled. So I kind of had already, I mean, I, I had a sense that maybe one day we'd play at Lakewood. So then after that, you know, we both get scholarships to go to different schools to do jazz. Well, we were in a rock band and our rock band, uh, we were just doing well, I guess. I don't know. We got popular. Somehow we got the attention of somebody. He directed us to this producer named Mark Townsend. And Mark Townsend used to tour with like DC Talk. He did a lot of stuff for uh, Shania Twain or something like that. Well, he got hired at Lakewood Church as a musician and kind of to help the production. Well, he wanted to produce our record. So that's how I got to know Mark Townsend. And he got us, uh, we were about to get signed to Reunion Records, which was uh, Michael W. Smith's label. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it did, we actually, got kicked out of the band because at the time me and my brother started the band but we were really into like funk so we were doing like maroon five so it was a, a mixture of like rock and like funk beats kind of yeah yeah so then when we auditioned for them they made uh they made me and my brother play bars by ourselves which was terrible so they made the other guys sit out and they said i want to hear you guys play and then they asked do you guys sing because the other guys were more rock guys. So after that, it was over. They fired us. I mean, they, <laughs> they kicked us out of the band. So when they kicked us out of that band, we I really didn't know what we were going to do because we didn't even go. We didn't even fulfill our scholarships because we were, uh, we thought this band was going to make it, you know. I thought right, this was right. it. So then after that, uh, Mark Townsend tells us, hey, you know, you guys should, you know, get involved at Lakewood. There's a young adult ministry. And one of the guitar players was playing there. So I auditioned and I started playing at Young Adults. And then Young Adults kind of took off. It was becoming a really big thing. It was really cool. And became really good friends with the worship leader. Um, and then he eventually was the one that got us to audition for the main service. And that's how we ended up at Lakewood. Wow. And so how old were you at, at that like initial point of playing at Lakewood? Probably. 21 wow so how many years ago i don't know how old you are right now i've been there uh i've been there now for 13 years no no on well actually i've been there 12 years on staff but i was there before i'm 34 so i've been there for a while (laughs) nice um that's there's so much in what you just shared um that is so deep that is so serious and and also equally incredible, like how your aunt prophesied what mm-hmm. she saw. How how old were you when she 
when you and her had that that moment? Uh, probably fourteen or fifteen. I don't wow. remember. And you know what's the the band I was in as well. Uh, the guitar player's uh, sister was my girlfriend, and we had been dating for all of high school. And I was planning to marry her too. So, and she was in a car accident and died as well. Wow. So it was it was a really rough rough time and during those times um you know I, w- I was ready to be mad at god and just leave you know yeah christianity but he just kept speaking to me there was just no way i mean i i one time i was so upset i threw the bible on my bed not on the floor <laughs> on my <Yeah>. bed <laughs> and it opened up to hosea where it talks about hosea's wife when she dies and at the time my girlfriend was in a coma so I didn't know that she was going to die. So when I read that scripture, I knew that she was going to, yeah, it was time for her to go. But because of that, if she wouldn't have passed away, I would have never met my wife now. Yeah. And uh, I started listening. My wife was an artist. She used to live in Nashville. And I used to jam to her music all the time. Her name's Lauren James. And during really? the time where my girlfriend passed away, I was listening to her to get through my time. Wow. So. And later on, I ended up marrying her. So she got me through that time. And I wow. never knew that she was going to be my wife. I auditioned for her band because they were doing a European tour. And I didn't make it. I always <laughs> give her a hard time. <laughs> you didn't make it, like, so you married her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's an incredible story. Like, I've never heard one quite like that. Um, the yeah. grief, the tragedy. And then slowly towards the triumph right like seeing that prophecy fulfilled marrying the girl that (laughs) that you didn't make the audition for like wow (laughs) there's so much in there and i just pray that whoever is listening to this right now um, no matter maybe what you're walking through uh, i pray that you would be encouraged and inspired even by what jonathan has walked through uh, even to the point like of just being, like you said, you, you threw your Bible. Uh, there are those moments where we're frustrated at times where life doesn't make sense. Um, but it's just, I, I'm still, I stand in awe of God because like Hosea of all things, like yeah. he knows, he knows what we need when we need it. And I, mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer that he's always on time. He's never too early or never too late. That is right. But yeah, man. And so uh, now we're at Lakewood. Are you there full time? Like, is that your job or do you work something on the side? How does, how does that look? Well, that is my full-time job. All the musicians that are there right now, um, the core of guys have been there for a long time. It is our full-time job. So we really, we play almost every service. Wow. So, uh, uh, and it's gotten to a point where, um, they uh it's kind of a requirement anything that we do as far as conference anything they really want us to be there so we're there a lot so that's probably why they see us they recognize us is because it's it's more of a hey we hired you guys to do this so we expect you guys to be there which is you know which is great it's fine but it's gotten to a point though that i'm having sometimes some some issues with my arms because we play so much yeah, do a lot of rehearsals and then playing in a stadium. Um, you don't hear any bounce back. And uh, yeah. I get I got things like a, a thumper to help me out. 
but it's just, you don't realize how hard you're hitting. So sometimes, mm. you know, it just really have to pay attention to your technique, but you know, when you're in the moment and, and the worship leader is like, give me more. And he doesn't feel it because the stage's concrete. He just bang away. Yeah. And that's the only thing that, uh, you know, uh, you have to really watch. But we play a lot. So um, maybe give us a rundown of what a typical week looks like for you. Because I know you have a, a Wednesday night service. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Fridays. But then I know there's like Sunday morning. Um, then the young adults is Sunday evening, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, just in between, I'm sure there's more stuff that I'm not aware of. So maybe just give us a rundown of what your Monday to Sunday or Sunday to Saturday looks like. Okay. So Mondays we have a set list meeting where we get together and come up with what we're going to do for the weekend as far as the list and transitions, uh, keys and all that. And then we're not required to go to that anymore, but we go once in a while. And then on Wednesday, we get there at 10 a.m. And then we're there morning to night. Wow. And we have a staff meeting in the morning and then we do rehearsal. So we do like four to five rehearsals on Wednesday. And one of the reasons is um, they do a production rehearsal where the band will play for the lighting guy to be completely synced mm. up to us. And he's, he's hooked up to time code with our stems and our click. Everything we do is with click. It's yeah. pretty rare that we never use click. But um, so we do that rehearsal and then we have Wednesday night rehearsal and then we have the weekend rehearsal and then service starts. Wow. So, yeah. So Wednesdays are very long. And then Thursdays is Spanish. So Spanish is the uh, on Spanish. We do the production rehearsal, which is it's not. I think we get there at three and then we have a uh, Thursday night rehearsal and then we have service and then Saturday we have rehearsal again and then we have service and then Sunday we do, you know, three services. We don't do young adult services anymore. We used to do that, but it was, it's just, it was too much. We were so burned out because even by Spanish, a lot of us are uh, falling asleep <laughs> because of work. <laughs> worship sets like 45 minutes to an hour and then spanish it goes longer sometimes yeah, so we're yeah. Pretty, pretty exhausted that's that's very intense like way more than yeah. i was expecting mm-hmm. and so from a health perspective because uh, you're playing so much like what are some of the are, is there anything from a health thing that is important to you like what you eat like on the wednesday or just in general that you do to kind of maintain optimum health well actually yes i i uh try to eat things now that that don't cause inflammation because i get my ten my tendons will get inflamed uh hmm. from playing too much it's really a diet thing but i actually started getting therapy so i get um my arms and back worked on wow. every other week to break up the uh you know the acid in my tendons it's really my tendons and it was really my fault because my ears uh blew out yeah i just didn't do anything about it for like two years i used to play with my ears blown out so when you I say your ears for anyone listening you're talking about your in-ears my in-ears yeah yeah not your actual like eardrum and <laughs> No, no, no. Ear. <laughs> no, my sorry about that. No, my in ears blew out, so um, 
we that was my third set because I like a lot of low end because you, I can't feel it in the room. So mm. uh, I kept turning up the the like at right around 40 hertz on the kick and it would just blow my ears every time. So I just left it. But I noticed that I ended up you know, playing the kick drum really hard in the snare really yeah. hard because of it just kind of to match and that's when when i got new ears i changed that but i had already done some damage you know wow for sure man what yeah. in ears do you use out of curiosity well we use west tone right now uh but we are trying 19 was it 1964 We're, okay we've been demoing their ears right now and they sound really good we have we also have ultimate ears yeah um and those work too. It's just uh, those are the ones that kept blowing out. Oh, okay. The ultimate ears. Yeah. So. Got you. That's really cool, man. And um, mm-hmm. in terms of um, like stems and production side of things, uh, like I followed, I've tracked Lakewood um, way back. I think um, in Madison Square Garden. Oh gosh! In yeah. Two thousand. Four or five? That was be- that was before me. Yeah, I I talked to the drummer actually. I forget if Steve. Steve Allison. Yeah, and uh, like they had the choir, like they brought everyone. Um, yeah. So it's been a, a while for me. So I know that um, like Lakewood does a lot of their own arrangements of even popular songs that you know are sung in many churches worldwide. So during the week, like, are you involved in some of the arranging and and kind of like how it translates into a service on the production side uh production so our production meeting on on wednesdays in the morning when the band's there we kind of figure it out there oh i see uh but there's a general idea and our musical director which is william garcia uh he is kind of i feel bad for him man (laughs) because Um, so Peter Wilson is our, he's kind of our new boss. He's only been there for maybe a year or two years. I don't remember. Um, and he likes to do everything with stems pretty much. Yeah. So what I feel bad about, uh, with William is that he literally is editing all the time. Yeah. So wow. like, and sometimes I'll be like, Hey, you know what? Let's make it a half course. Or you know what? This is too long. Let's cut it down to three. And he's just editing. And I, I'm the one that used to do that. I used to handle all the stems, but it got to the point where um, it was easier for William to do it because he knew the actual arrangement since he's uh, the musical director. So, wow. So we, like for example, this Wednesday, we probably uh, changed the set like eight, seven to eight times. We run it through, and then he would just change this change that or or we would say hey why don't we try this you know wow so we do that a lot yeah that's impressive um do you find there's a lot of pressure because i mean lakewood if i'm not mistaken is dubbed america's largest church um you know it's the live stream is viewed from anywhere around the world is does that kind of you know I don't want to say notoriety. I don't know what a better word is. Uh, but does that kind of put extra pressure on we have to get it right the first time and people are watching? Like, does that play into it at all for you? 
Actually, I don't, I don't think so anymore because you forget about all that. We've been there for so long that I don't even think that way. Um, yeah. A lot of it is just Pastor Joel. He's the one that he, he just wants excellence all the time. Mm. And if you watch him uh, speak, he, he actually writes down his entire sermon and he memorizes it. Yeah. So um, it's kind of that expectation expectations always there because he does it he hardly ever messes up so we kind of have to do the same you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. so i i guess there's pressure with that but it doesn't feel like it because he's so gracious about it so i don't think we feel pressure it's just making sure that it feels uh it doesn't feel so uh robotic it feels organic because it's so orchestrated with the lights and everything yeah 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 that's true. And uh, I think it's kind of cool, like your pastor models excellence. So he sets the bar for everyone, you know, behind him, so to speak. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Um, when you're talking about um, like editing the stems and stuff like that, what software are you guys using to edit and then for live? Well, we use Ableton for everything. Uh, we used to edit in Logic because all of us use Logic, but uh, we just started doing it in Ableton. Just it's 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 kind of a different system to learn how to edit, but once you learn it, it it doesn't make it makes sense to just keep it there instead of going to another DAW. But um, Ableton is incredible for uh, just for stems, and we're lucky to have there's a guy named Russell. Dunlap who's like an expert in Ableton and he just happens to live in Houston and he's a good friend of ours so anytime we have any issues he just like you know makes nice. it work tells us what's what to do but we've gotten to the point well really Willie William sorry yeah. he likes to be called William he's gotten <laughs> to the point where now he just he has a nail like he can just edit on the fly wow yeah. um and so I know um, you said, because uh, you did the Insta Takeover a couple of weeks ago, um, you said that you have an endorsement with Roland at the church. Mm -hmm. And so just maybe talk to us about how you use your SPDSX. Because okay. um, I know that I've had a lot of conversations with guys where um, they're uploading sounds or samples straight to the pad. Some are using Ableton. And then they, they load it through that way and they're triggering it through MIDI. So just curious to see with your setup, how you use the SPDSX and how you get your I, samples. We actually, I actually load the samples. That's the way we do it. And uh, I like to use a lot of that sound. Yeah. You heard of them. We load a lot of their stuff. And then sometimes occasionally we'll use some of the stock sounds. Yeah. Uh, the, the only, we're not, super heavy with the pad and the only reason is because we have so many stems already and there's already we have a percussionist who's incredible yeah and it's just there's no room for it and if if a lot of the times uh, our front of house guy if, if there's an 808 on the stem he'd rather have the stem 808 because he knows that the velocity of that instrument is going to stay consistent mm. and you know because you know we hit it too hard or too soft it will affect his mix so he knows that he can work with that so it just depends um and also our percussionist he's got he's got i forgot what it is it's the it's, it starts with the v but it's like a box and it's got like three thousand sounds on it 
Wow. And there's something they sound mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it sounds really good. So he loads samples if it's specific to a song, but for the most part he uses those sounds. That's cool. Yeah. And um because of your unique setup with a percussionist, um maybe talk to us a bit about like how it is playing with a percussionist. Because from my understanding, the more you add, the simpler your playing has to be um, and kind of create the space one for the other. So how do you approach playing with a percussionist versus when maybe you're on the road on uh, you know, a tour or something without him? How do you adjust your playing? What are some things that I, some advice on playing with and without a percussionist? Okay, well, the one thing I will say that's different from you know, playing perk with other percussionists is the percussionist that we have is literally one of the best in the world. He's probably played on almost every record you've heard. Like he's that good. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I think he just did, you know, that sound, he, he was just on there. They did his whole package of percussion. Wow. So um, he never plays on, he plays around the drums. He never plays like on two and four. It's, it's, he's a, He's, a, he's amazing. He's a freak of nature. So uh, when it comes to him, he never steps on you. And uh, especially on the funky stuff. But definitely when he's playing, I don't do like a ton of ghost notes or um, a ton of fills with the snare. And actually, we look at each other constantly to know, hey, you take this one. I'll take this one. And he's just a perfect studio drummer. And actually, every musician that we have, they were all big-time studio guys yeah. at the time because almost everyone's from Nashville except me and my brother and William. So everybody just knows how to play around each other. And uh, if we start overplaying, it's just probably because, you know, John Gray's there and he's just like, wanting <laughs> us to go nuts. <laughs> so, Love it. Yeah. That's so but cool, But I've learned so much from him because... Uh, he just, uh, he leaves so much space, even though it seems like there's more instruments. I, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, you can just do a solid groove, the simplest groove. But when he starts playing with you, it sounds so groovy that you really don't have to do much. I'll occasionally just do little ghost notes on the hi-hat uh, because I know it cuts. Yeah. But one thing I will say, there is a guy named Dan Needham. You can look him up. He's one of the top session drummers in Nashville. And he came to Lakewood a couple of times. I know him really well. He's He has played when I wasn't there. Like, he subbed. And, like, well, I should be subbing for him. Like, he shouldn't be subbing for me. But it was just one of those things where, you know, he just came to do it. But I learned a lot from him. So one of the things that he does is he plays the cymbals soft. Mm -hmm. He plays the kick and the snare pretty hard, solid and the toms as well. So he tries to be light on the hats and cymbals. Another thing that he does is I kind of was making fun of him because I saw his setup and I was like, man, you, you, your setup is like a nineties drummer. Cymbals are so high or eighties drummer. Yeah, yeah. My hats are so loud. I mean, so high. I'm like, why do you do that? He goes, there's so much more separation in the mics and yeah. it's uncomfortable at first. Cause if you see my hi hat, it's so high. It's kind of uncomfortable. But he said, you're doing the uh, front of house guy a favor uh, mm. because you don't get a lot of bleed in your mics. So he taught me a lot. He taught me how to be consistent. And uh, 
and just paying attention to your volume on your kick and snare and your cymbals, which the cymbals is a, the hi-hat is the hardest thing to me because you just want to dig in and I just can't. So huh. yeah, I, what I do is in my mix, my hi-hat is obnoxiously loud. Gotcha. It's so loud. It's annoying, but I do it on purpose so that I don't make, uh, you know, so that it won't bleed into my snare. Cause we use Telefunken mics and they, mm-hmm. they pick up a lot of hi-hat. Wow. So, yeah, hey, that's, that's cool. I'm, I can't remember who else I've seen, but me too. I saw some kit set up and I thought, man, those symbols look so high and awkward. Yeah. But, um, and I heard it from, from there. I can't remember the source. I wish I did, but it was that the, you eliminate the bleed mm-hmm. uh, into it's, the Tom, Tom mics or whatever else. It makes a huge difference because, uh, you know, I would record and I'm like, man, my drums don't sound as good as Dan. And then I <laughs> saw him recording and, and we looked at the multi-track and it was like samples. It was perfect. Wow. Another thing too with the snare that, and, and it also depends on your ears and your monitoring system. The way you hit the snare, if you hit it a little too hard, you, you'll choke it. The hmm. snare will choke. So you also have to find that sweet spot. So everything, you just have to think about everything. It's also my beater my for my bass drum. I use the old school standard uh, round beater. Now the other ones, like the little ones are the ones that come with the DW. You get yeah. more attack, but you won't get that round fat sound. If you hit it really hard, that's why when you listen to live recordings, you'll hear the kick sound too snappy or yeah, you'll hear a double kick and you'll hear one louder than the other is because you have more attack. So if you want consistency, I use the round beater. I feel like it's more consistent and the, the audio guys love it because it can add the high end. Yeah. And if I hit it real hard, he'll, he won't get that, that clicking sound. Yeah. You know, like slap. when you use the, exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, so those are some great tips, man. Mm-hmm. everything that we do is always in in the mind of the studio because yeah. everything's multi-track so we're constantly thinking that way that's really cool really really like that very insightful um one of the things about lakewood that has always intrigued me uh one of my good buddies um his name is dave told me that um below the surface there's like an underground tunnel or something like that for the musicians. Mm-hmm. And I know when you did the Insta takeover, you kind of showed us um, one of those rooms, mm-hmm. but, but is there more that like what goes on down there for musicians under the stage? Well, the stage just goes down. Uh, it's like that whole orchestra. Like if you go see a New York show, it's that idea. Yeah. So that we don't cause a distraction when we're breaking down, whatever. But in the side, we are, we have our own room where we have the sermon. We can listen to the sermon. And a lot of the times, like when John Gray's there, we usually don't go into the actual service because we might have to play. Yeah, that's true. So uh, that all it is, is just there's only um, there's a monitor room on the left and then there's a the band room on the right. It's nothing other than that. That's it the stage goes really deep in. So the guitar amps are sometimes down there. Wow. Uh, so that they don't want any bleed on stage. So the stage is pretty quiet other than the horns. Very so. cool. That's so cool. Um, we'll shift gears a little bit as we get ready to wrap this up soon. Um, just kind of get into a, a spiritual question. 
if you would, okay. or a couple of them. Uh, what are, or what is one thing um, that you find yourself struggling with, or there's like a tension? Forget the spiritual part for now. Like even if it's in your drumming, I know you said like your tendons in your arms, uh, but mm-hmm. is there one thing that you're kind of having to work through? Maybe it's a part, a specific song. What are some things that give you that, uh, if you want to call trouble? Um, <clears throat> well, for me, it's it's kind of a, it's a different situation because we play so much and we play the parts so many times that uh, a lot of the times in my head, I can't even think of playing something different Mm. (laughs) because we've been playing some of these songs we've been playing them for 10 years and it's been recorded so they want it to sound a certain way so when i try to play it a different way i can't even (laughs) think think of what else to play because it's been ingrained in my brain so one thing that i would encourage other players is i know for us it's a different situation because we do so many services yeah there was a point in time where for about five years, I never played anywhere else. I never practiced. I never, I just didn't even want to, like, didn't even sit. I didn't even want to sit on the drums. I was, I was so <laughs> burned out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the one thing I would encourage is to, you know, play with other people, play in different situations, and it would bring a different create creative side, you know? Mm. But I will say, uh, for me, I actually always have a hard time playing a really slow shuffle uh just because for me i'm obsessed with having my kick in the snare be perfectly on the grid yeah i don't know i don't know i'm just that's one of the reasons why i got this job was because i was obsessed with playing with click because i basically what happened is i i did a drum solo for like a we were at like a gospel type church and I did a drum solo and I got off, I got off the click. It was embarrassing. And this was when I was like 15 or 16 and the choir director in front of everybody said, Hey, uh, we're going to get somebody else to play the song. <laughs> it was humiliating, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. The next day I, I bought one of those metronome things and I played to that click for everything, especially in a slow, uh, slow tempo because that's really the hardest hardest one uh, but then when I started to do this I started getting loops that had uh, the kick and snare on two and four or four on the floor and I would make sure that I had no flaming mm-hmm. with the loop to yeah. the point where it was canceling each other out and I got so good at it that really my first audition in the service because they used to record everything they would record you they would take you upstairs to the studio and said, all right, we're going to solo you with the click. Let's see how you did. Wow. And I knew they, I knew they did that. So, and that was at the time where Israel was there, where it was a little bit, the caliber of musicianship was really high. So I, I was preparing myself for that. I wanted to make sure that I nailed it and I was able to, uh, but sometimes that's a problem for me because when I'm doing shuffle or, or things like that, I want to be so locked into the grid that it's probably not the best thing, but we have loops and snare samples on top. So if you're not hitting the two and four right on time, you're yeah. gonna slam with that, and they're gonna somebody's gonna hear it live. So I guess you know, because you know how it is when you're playing shuffle, your even your doubles are more separated. Yeah, you don't go da da, you go da. You know what I mean? There's that. That's right. Da da da. So. 
uh, I guess that's the one thing that kind of I've always I, I feel a little uptight. I'm really thinking. All right, make sure you're really tight on this. Make sure. Wow. So if you hear if you hear the record on some of those shuffles, you'll you'll probably hear me playing a little bit more more reserved is because I'm trying to make sure that I'm just locked in and not rushing. Wow. That's cool. Cool to hear from your perspective. Um, so what are some things spiritually that you do because you play so much? Um, the thing that I like to kind of end or, you know, tie up our, our conversation with is this discussion about like, how do you stay fresh spiritually um, so that it doesn't, you're not, you're not a robot, right? There has to be this element of worship from the heart. Um, so what do you do in your context to make sure like you're still keeping, um, your heart pure before the Lord, that you're still doing it for him, not for money, not for, cause I'm paid to do it. Um, I would love to hear what you do in that regards. Well, that's actually something that's very important to me because there was a point in my ministry life working at Lakewood where I was just completely burnt out and I wasn't even spending time with the Lord and uh, everything, even I was just doing the job. And a lot of the times when you're in ministry and you're, you're there day in and day out, you don't. There, you're not being ministered to. You're you're just doing the job. So yeah. if you're not putting time at home, then you're really not, you know, you're really not experiencing God in the way that you should. So um, I have quiet time, probably almost every day, except on the weekends. And uh, like these are iPods are the best thing I've ever bought. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm constantly looking at videos of ministers that I like or sermons all the time or what i'll do is i'll worship around in my house and uh you know at first it was a little uncomfortable because when you're on stage you don't have to raise your hands you don't have to you know show emotion really you just got to jam so if that is so important as a musician you have to worship at home hmm. and worship in your own time because one thing that i've realized lately is i used to think about myself way too much and this is still a struggle that i have as I'm thinking, hey, I got to play this part right. I, I got to sound good on the song. No, really, you're supposed to just say, hey, Holy Spirit, take over. You're the one that's supposed to take over. Like, wow. people are not supposed to hear me. They're supposed to feel the Holy Ghost. And I, that's actually something that I used to really struggle with. I was kind of like, and I used to say this, which is embarrassing that I used to say this. It'd be like, oh, man, you're doing such a great job for the Lord. And, you know, you're in, you're part of such a great ministry i'm like i don't do anything i'm just a drummer and i used to think i'm just a drummer i'm, I'm not really delivering people i'm not witnessing to people and the lord started convicting me and saying no uh you have an anointing hmm. and when the holy spirit dwells in you it will fall on those who need it and that's when i started thinking oh wait a second this is really not about me so what i try to do is inside i just say holy spirit just take over and uh and then i i feel him literally taking over and i don't even remember what i'm even playing i'm not even thinking about the mechanics or thinking about the song unless it's a new song right, that's right. hard or something <laughs> you can't turn that off but for the most part i'm not even thinking you know about what i'm playing 
Yeah, and, yeah. And that's one thing that will happen too. The more that you practice, the more that you practice at home, it's important because you got to get to a point where you're not thinking anymore and just let the Holy Ghost take over. Yeah. So well, that's really what God's been dealing with with me lately. That's good stuff, man. And uh, I'm sure I know for a fact you're not alone in that. Um, but it's something practical that uh, we can put into practice for our own lives as well. Thanks for sharing that. Um, if people want to track with you on, on social or on online or whatever, what's, what's the best way to keep up with Jonathan? So on Instagram, just uh, J-A-K-A-M-E, which is J-A-C-A-M-E-Y number one and that's my oh actually it's not that anymore i'm sorry i changed it to jonathan kamey oh yeah, yeah i always yeah. had this i always had this problem so you can just look up my name and and know, actually to, we'll link it also in the show notes okay that's awesome i i actually don't post as much i need to but <laughs> i've been i've been <laughs> i've actually been trying to not be on social media too much because I feel like a lot of the times it's distracting or it makes, makes me, I don't know. It brings bad things out of you sometimes. <laughs> you just need a detox from that. So a lot of the times that's why I don't, but I, I'll, I'll really try to, uh, to post more videos and show kind of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And like we talked earlier before we started recording, we'll, we'll partner on some content and uh, make that available to the Worship Drummer family so that you guys can see in his uh, context, in his world at Lakewood. That'll be fun. Jonathan, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. And uh, it's been super helpful. And uh, just appreciate everything you do and for, for who you do it for. Thank you, John. It's, it's an honor to, to be doing this podcast. And I was actually really nervous, but <laughs> you were just so easy to talk to, man. And just I pray that everybody that listens to us will just be blessed. Well, there you have it, my conversation with Jonathan Kamey. And I pray that you feel encouraged and inspired as a result of listening to this episode. Also, I'd ask that if you've enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it on your social channels with others that you think would need to hear it? It means a lot to us as well. You can feel free to head to iTunes and uh, leave a rating and a review. That would help uh, expose us to more people and to a larger audience and uh, we greatly appreciate that as well. Listen, you can find links to what we've talked about as well as all of the show notes for this episode on the website. You can head to worshipdrummer.com forward slash 024 for episode 24. Again, worshipdrummer.com forward slash 024. And most of all, I thank you so much for what you do in the context of your local church as a worship drummer. I maybe never uh, have met you before, but I want you to know that what you do matters. The attitude that you bring to your team also matters a lot. And you have the opportunity to influence a service in a positive way or a negative way. My prayer is that you would choose to always put the heart before beat and that you would give your all for Jesus. My name is John Manna. This is the Worship Drummer Podcast, and thanks for listening.